Good morning, friends. I'll take anything that's kickable out of my way. There's no food to smash today, so sorry if you invited your friends to come and see King Devastator in effect. I'm, you're going to be disappointed for sure. So we can get the uh, slides up and running as possible. Um, we have a guest speaker coming next Sunday from a sister church in Winnipeg. His name's Chris Pughatch. And when we moved from the old site to this site, we really wanted to help build up the church in outreach and evangelism. And so we kind of lined up a bunch of opportunities for people with more evangelistic giftings than I have or other people have to come and uh, sow into the church. And then COVID hit and everything got canceled. So we're, we're trying to revive some of those invitations and relationships and so that's coming down the pipe. And if you want to just be praying for, for him as he comes, I know that it's been his desire to really serve the church well with a message from the Lord specifically for us. Um, the other thing I want to say is it's just so good to see the team here uh, so many years together. I'm really proud of you guys. Way to keep serving and sacrificing yourself as well. Um, there, there is like kindred connection there because... Don, the director, goes to Trinity in Winnipeg, and Trinity is like a half salt and light family church. They're a Baptist church, but the pastors are salt and light people who used to both go to our salt and light sister church, WEC, West End Christian Community, and so there's lots of relational connection. Plus, um, if you've been around here for a while, you know that Calvary Chapel, now Calvary Church, was planted to be a church where people who didn't fit into other churches found a place to fit into a church, plus some Holy Spirit. And so that's what it sounds like Gimli Bible Camp is. It's kind of like the island of misfit toys for campers, and we're the island of misfit toys for churchgoers in Steinbach. So it's just really cool. And uh, no one would have planned this all to happen. It's just look what happens when you have a willing heart and a God who's in control. Amen. So we're going to continue on with this Real Reset um, sermon series that we're doing. And like I've been saying, and just as a reminder, there's so much stuff going on in the world. There's so many opportunities to be afraid of what people are doing, what powers are doing, what spiritual forces are doing. And for my own sanity's sake, I'm resisting with everything I've got getting underneath the darkness of these days. And instead, I'm committed to believing the truth of Scripture, believing in the bigness of God, and believing that God has told us that he works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He's promised us that, and he proved it by raising Jesus from the dead. And so even during these times, we have this great hope that God's hand is not too short to save, and that he is working on something amazing, even in these days. And I was reminded again recently that, um, you know, one thing that's different about our times than Jesus' time is that when Jesus was ministering, you know, the culture was healthy, everyone supported him, he had substantial government funding, both from the Jews and from the Romans. Everywhere he went, people said things that built up his spirit and encouraged his self-esteem, and the crowds that follow him were not self-seeking crowds that just wanted food or a show or a healing. They really cared about his inner self and wanted to hang out with him afterwards to minister to him. So I know it's harder for for us today than it was in Jesus' time. 
But now that he's raised from the dead, I'm sure he can help us out. Of course, I'm joking. It, it was still harder for Jesus than it was for, is for us. Like, unless you guys know something I don't know, no one's actually trying to kill me right now. And if you know something I don't know, I still don't want to know. Like, I'm happy just being led by the Holy Spirit, and God can deal with that stuff. Anyhow, I want to talk about this. this I, I'm, I'm confident, 100%, without any doubt, that part of what God is working on, especially for the church in the West, is to revive our hope in the power of the Holy Spirit to be all we need in our lives, to serve Jesus successfully. And by, but I mean all, I don't mean like you don't need to eat food anymore all. But when I mean all is, as long as we still have the Holy Spirit, we don't have any excuse to quit. Amen? That's what I mean by all. As long as we still have the Holy Spirit of God, we have all we need, capital N, need, in order to serve Jesus in our generations. No matter what the government's doing, whatever, whatever I have to put on my face, whatever I have to put on my feet, whatever is going on, as long as I still have the Holy Spirit, I'm confident that by faith I can do what Jesus wants me to do that minute or that day or that week. Amen? And I think that part of what God is doing with all this shaking that's going on, you can tell how much confidence you are having in the world by how spastic you get when the world is falling apart. Amen? You can tell how much confidence and comfort you're having in finances and the economy by what you do when the economy falls apart. And you can tell how much confidence and dependence you are having on the Holy Spirit by how you just keep going on with life even though you know that you're not walking in the Spirit anymore. If the biggest problem in your life right now is you don't have as much Holy Spirit as you used to, then, then you're going to be fine. But if all this stuff has happened and all these things are changing and you haven't even noticed whether or not you're walking in the Spirit of Christ, I think Jesus wants to deal with that. Because the real reset, the biggest reset in the history of the people of God was that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into the people of God. And that hasn't changed, but we can forget. Amen? So I'm going to read, because I've kind of ended up in Isaiah by accident. This is a by accident sermon series. If you're wondering what helps Calvary be a misfit toy church. It's the pastor figuring out what his sermon series is three messages into the sermon series. That's part of the weirdness, but it's going good so far, and I have to turn this on, and then away we go. So church, these are the very words of God. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Note, that can also be translated as the opening of eyes to those who are blind. And it ends up like that in Septuagint, and that's what Jesus quotes in his uh, Luke passage. Okay, back to Scripture. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. 
to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness and the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Father, would your Holy Spirit move on us afresh? Lord, I'm sure even just with my joking intro, I've zinged myself and many other people here. Father, I pray that by your 100% generous, gracious heart, you would pour out your spirit afresh on your people. Lord, even with the faith knowing that Jesus healed the centurion's servant from miles away just because of faith, Lord, by faith would you also be filling afresh everyone who is at home watching this or even who might pick this up at some other time. But God, would you raise our faith in your plans for using the Holy Spirit in the church to fulfill the mission of Jesus for your glory And all God's people said, and every hungry heart said, and everybody who really means it said, amen. Amen. And everybody who wants more of the Holy Spirit said, amen. Amen. Okay, good. You know, sometimes you've got to do it four times because we're all used to doing it once and the death of the church is getting used to doing things. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit a bit. So one of the things that makes Christianity totally unique is that our God is one God who is three persons who are each fully God, but they together are the one true God. Does your brain hurt yet? Our God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one fully God and yet distinct, and they together are the one true God. Does your brain hurt yet? Okay, newsflash. Your God should be more complicated than your smartphone. And if you need God to be more simplistic than the technology you use every day that you can't fix because you don't understand it, you want an idol. You want something you can control. That's what it is. I want God I can control. He can't be a trinity because that doesn't make sense. Your God, if it's the real God, should not be something you can easily contain with words. Okay, so the one true God is the Father God, who is over all and above all and the source of the Godhead, and the Son, who proceeds forth from the Father and his, is his exact nature and imprint in display and loved by the Father and loving the Father for all eternity and the Holy Spirit of God who proceeds both from the Father and from the Son. Some of you who know church history know what I just did there. All of them equally God and fully God. Everything it means to be God is contained, quote unquote, in each one. And yet they are together, just one unified true God that is worthy of all worship. But, and, in history, this one Trinity, this one God, kind of shows up doing different things. So for instance... The Father didn't become a man. But there was a time in human history when God the Son became a little baby inside of a woman named Mary and grew like a human baby and was born like a human baby and lived a life like a human man because he truly was man. 
and died on a cross like men die and then was raised back to life like men need to be raised back to life. And at the same time, everything it meant to be God was clothed in flesh in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that man, Jesus Christ, the God-man Jesus, went back to heaven, oh, those 2,000 years ago, and is reigning today from a throne at the right hand of the Father God. And the reason Jesus went back to heaven, because he could have stayed, it wasn't like he was on some sort of visa, he's on like a 33-year visa, oh, my visa's up, don't want to be an illegal immigrant in my own planet, so I'm going to go back to heaven. He could have stayed, but the mission was to go back to heaven and from the Father's side, ask the Father to send his Holy Spirit onto the church with power. So that the same Spirit that empowered Jesus to do his mission could be in each one of us who believes in Jesus to do the mission of Christ as the church, as well as to do our own mission that we've got from Jesus as a part of the body. Clear? So on the day of Pentecost, oh, those many millennia ago, God sent the Holy Spirit in a fresh way onto the church with tongues of fire, producing the speech of languages that the disciples did not know, so in order to gather the crowds so that they could hear the word of God proclaimed. And that Holy Spirit never went home yet. Amen? So there's a distinction. It's the Trinity... They're one, but they can do different things. The son can come and go back and will return again, as we heard. This young lady, very interested. What does it mean for Jesus to return? The man, Christ Jesus, is in heaven. And we await his return in the body, in glory, with his angels. But now the Holy Spirit, invisible, is poured out in the church. or sent to the church, is dwelling amongst us as we gather together and within us as individual Christians. And this is our reality. This is the truth. Even in Steinbeck. Yeah, even in Steinbeck. I I was smiling to myself during the presentation that TJ showed. That guy was singing about like bringing Jesus to the nations. And then I got to remind myself, I'm the nations. Because when they were talking about the nations, they were talking about Israel 2,000 years ago. And we were like on the other side of the planet, both hemispheres. A bunch of undeserving Gentiles. But we get to be the nations and go to the nations through Jesus Christ. Amen? So, whatever. The Holy Spirit was Jesus' main source for his mission. It's good to remember this. I worship Jesus as fully God and fully man. I don't think there was ever a time that he laid aside his godhood, even though in one sense in Philippians it talks about him concealing his full glory as God. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. And that's mostly talking about the humiliation and humility he was willing to subject himself to. Like, guys, imagine God having a bowel movement. Just that... It's so, like, that Jesus should ever have to be subject to any of the aches and pains and the, the fleshliness of life and, like, getting tired when he's God himself. So he emptied himself of his worth, or of his, like, demands for glory. He emptied himself as his demands to be treated as God, but he's still God all the time. 
and came to be a man. And one of the things he did was he submitted to doing ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I was just thinking about that's so amazing is how little we know about Jesus for the first 30 years of his life. Like, you can cram almost everything we know about Jesus from before he came and was filled with the Spirit into one Christmas event. Right? Everything we know about Jesus from before he was born, you can stick into a children's Christmas program. We've got the angel coming, talking to Mary. We've got another angel saving Joseph from divorcing Mary. We've got them going to Egypt. We've got them coming back. There's a whole thing with Herod. One time Jesus ditched out on family because he would rather have been at church than go home. When he was 12, hello? Guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip. Your parents can sort that out with you later. And that's it. That's all the four Gospels recorded until Jesus came to John the Baptist's ministry to be baptized in water and then to come out of the water and have the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And then, because sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit shows up in our life and everything's going to be easy right there, and then the first thing Jesus does once he's got the Holy Spirit descends upon him and has empowered him and come to him, he goes and spends 40 days out in the desert with no food and no water and being tempted by Satan in order to conquer the temptations of Satan out in the desert. And when he finally comes back, out of the temptation, says this in Luke 4, 4, starting in verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the countryside, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and was with his, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogues on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing okay just so we can understand how god works and his plans he specifically held back what jesus could have been doing just under his own steam until jesus came to be baptized like a sinner anybody a sinner here hello you better put your hands up you don't have to no pressure i guilt tripped the kids already no guilt tripping anybody else baptized like a sinner, receiving the Spirit as a sinner will, to be go and fight the devil, to beat the devil by the power of the Spirit, and not just under his own steam, so that he could come out of that temptation and declare to the world, I am now here to fulfill Isaiah 61, to do the work of God by the power of his Spirit. Spirit. 
Okay? And everything he did was by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of his Father. Even Hebrews tells us he went to the cross by the Spirit. And Romans tells us he came out of the grave by the Spirit. And the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in We keep doing it until I'm satisfied. (laughs) The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in? Amen. Okay, good. So this is all just truth so far. And that little voice in your heart that says, then why hasn't it shut up? And why don't I be quiet? And why hasn't God, not now, truth? We start with truth. Do you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and that he is Lord? Okay, I want you to confess this out loud. Again, no controlling. You don't have to do this. If you just think this is garbage, you can't wait to go home. You don't do this. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's God, and he was raised from the dead, say, I do. Okay, Scripture says no one can confess that except by the Holy Spirit. So you already have the Holy Spirit in you, teaching you to say Jesus is Lord, teaching you to pray, Abba, Father, to God. If God is your Father and you know it, the Spirit of God already did that in you. So the evidence of his activity, if you confess that, if you believe that, you pray, Abba, Father, you believe Jesus raised from the dead, the Spirit is already in you doing those things. True fact? Fact check true. Fact check true. For us as Christians... The Holy Spirit is our source of wholeness and power. Now this is where we can get a bit funky monkey or finicky winicky or whatever you want to do. Because we can sometimes begin to get worried that if I say the Holy Spirit is our source of wholeness and power, you can start thinking, but what about Jesus? I thought Jesus was my source of wholeness and power. And then some of you might say, well, it doesn't all come from the Father. Isn't the Father the source of my wholeness and power? And this is part of why I started by talking about the Trinity. It's one God. And they're always doing everything together. If the Holy Spirit does something in your life, it's from the Father through Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Father, the Father's will, Jesus' grace, the Spirit's power. It's always all of them together working because they're the one true God. But for us, here's an example of kind of how it works. Let's say there was a time when everyone was really obsessed about like, uh, oh, vaccines or something like that. Can anybody identify? You ever been in a time where vaccines are important? I know, you haven't either, but I just think these things up. And so... A Trinitarian view of vaccines is that it's from a scientist who develops a vaccine and then administers it through a needle, right? And in order for it to to be useful to you, you need to get poked by the needle so you can get injected with the vaccine that was developed by the scientist. Clear? 
Similarly, but not exactly the same, the Father is the scientist who developed salvation in Jesus Christ, and it is administered to us through the Spirit. If salvation is going to get into you, it gets into you by the needle of the Spirit, putting Jesus into you because it's the Father's plan and will. Amen? Make sense? So don't stress out. If I talk about the Spirit a lot, don't go, oh, they've lost Jesus. Oh, they've lost the Father. No, 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 no. Hardcore Trinitarian right here. When I'm talking about the Spirit, I'm talking about the Spirit of the Father. I'm talking about the Spirit of Jesus. When I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about the Son of the Father, who is the man of the Spirit. When I'm talking about the Father, I'm talking about the Father who sends the Son, Jesus Christ, in order to deliver to us power and grace through the Spirit. But if I always talk like that, every message would be three hours, and I know only four or five of you just want that. But today is your day. (laughs) All joking aside, wholeness and power. What do I mean by wholeness? Let's go back to what Jesus thought was his ministry. And I don't think this is all of it, but it's good to go back to specific declarations of it. When he came to be the man of the Spirit for us, to be the Savior in the Spirit for us, to be the crucified one alive by the power of the Spirit for us, he saw his mission as doing this, preaching good news to the poor, Binding up broken hearts, proclaiming liberty to captives, setting prisoners free or opening blind eyes, and letting you know you can now live under God's favor. Giving a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, putting the oil of gladness on those who are mourning putting a garment of praise on those who have a faint heart, and turning people into oaks of righteousness that God may be glorified. And you can take to the bank that this is what Jesus wants to do in your heart through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus came to do. Open up eyes, set people free, Bind up broken hearts. Anybody got a broken heart? Anybody never want, anybody afraid to bring your broken heart to God? Anybody mourning? What's Jesus, Jesus the spirit man? What did the spirit give him supernatural power to do? Because he wants to. This is his ministry to us. So this is what I mean by wholeness. God sends the Spirit into the church to accomplish this by caring for people. And he sends the Spirit into our lives to make the change possible. Because so many of these things are impossible in the world. So many, you know, I I like practical stuff. I'm all good for it. Don't, Don't hear me saying, stop drinking a little wine because of your frequent ailments like Paul told Timothy. Don't. Ditch everything you're working on. Don't change your diet. Don't do all crazy stuff. And yet, deep down, every Christian's main confidence should be, no matter what happens today, the Holy Spirit is in me to make me more whole in Jesus Christ, which includes all of these things. Do you want to know what God's will for your life is? 
there's the list. And by power, I mean as we're in Jesus, as we are part of the body of the man, Jesus Christ, who's in heaven, but his body is still on the earth in us, we know what Jesus wants to do through us, through the Holy Spirit. There's a list. Bring good news to the poor. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim freedom to those who are captive, especially under sin and the deception of the devil. Setting prisoners free. Telling people that today is the day when God's favor is is for free. That you can come to Jesus and be forgiven for free. You can come to Jesus and be loved by God for free just because he wants to give you favor. You can come to God and get power from the Spirit for free as you believe. You can come. Today, this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is free time. This is when God is doing kindness just out of the generosity of his heart because he loves and because he's good and for the sake of his glory so that nobody can say to him, you're unkind and you're stingy. He'll just say, no, I've been doing it. Look, I'm doing it. I'm proving who I am in the midst of a world that doesn't want to know who I am. But now is the time when God is comforting those who mourn and having some vengeance on people who need it and giving beautiful garments in the place of people who trashed their lives. That's what the ashes is. When they were mourning back in Israel time, they'd just pour ashes all over their head and all over their clothes. they make a mess of themselves. God's cleaning up people who've made a mess of themselves. He's giving joy to those who are mourning. He's giving praise to those who are just worn out. And we get to help do that for other people by the power of the Holy Spirit because we're one with Jesus. And we're part of Jesus Co. The Liberty Company. So, I want to say some things about being built up in the Spirit. And we'll go from there. I think it's fair to say that the first way, and let me stop before I, before I go there. I, I don't believe in Holy Spirit competitiveness. I don't believe in Holy Spirit competition. I don't believe in looking at one place and comparing it to another place and declaring which one's doing a better job in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in um, judging by outward appearance about other people's walks with God. You've got to get to know people and <laughs> find out what they say. Um, I don't believe in in uh, denigrating the local church versus the big guys out there. I just I think that Jesus loves our church. I think he he loves us. I think everywhere you go, people are broken, whether you see it or not. I think everywhere you go, the Spirit is working, and He's probably just working on different things. And so I I have a very uh, non non conflicty theology about the Holy Spirit, and I think we need that because I think one of the biggest things churches do that ultimately frustrates the plans of God for the spirit moving in a church is deciding how he has to do it and what it's going to look like beforehand and then whether or not I'm one of the great ones while it's happening. Amen. So I don't have any expectations for for you to do or be anything in order to impress me or be one of the great ones. I'm actually... I just I really like what God does with people wherever they're at, and there's often a cool surprise and a treasure as it's unfolding. 
So no pressure <laughs> from me. No pressure, okay? No pressure, no competition. But I will start with this, how to be built up in the Spirit. I think the first way people get built up in the Spirit is by wanting the Holy Spirit of God. It's a desire issue. I, I do believe that God goes where he's wanted. I think we see that in the life of Jesus. Sometimes he'll come to a city and they're just kind of complain about him, and so he leaves. And he even regrets. He's like, I, w- I would have done so many, so many things here, but you just don't want me to. So I'll go find somewhere else. And, and even the story, every time the apostles would go to a synagogue and the, they would have a conflict, they would go to the Gentiles. And they would just say, we'll go where we wanted. We'll go where we wanted. We'll go where we wanted. And I think God's like that. He, 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 he knows where he's wanted. Amen. And so I, notice me not giving you five easy steps. Notice me not talk about do first. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, then want more of the Holy Spirit. Believe what I'm talking about. Believe you're meant to have this. Believe that this is God's plan for you. Believe this is the best thing that can happen to you. More than money, more than fame, more than comfort, more than getting something. That having the Holy Spirit in you is a treasure to be treasured. And so want it and ask God for it and seek it and ask him how he wants you to seek it. Be led by the Spirit to be led by the Spirit. You know, hello, why don't you just start today? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to seek you? I don't really want you that much. Can you change that? This sounds scary. Can you take away my fear? I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't understand how the Holy Spirit always ends up being the one member of the Trinity that people don't want to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Like the one that, I'll trust Jesus, but uh, Holy Spirit. It's like, what did he do? You know what I mean? Jesus is the one that trashed the temple. He's way more dangerous than the Holy Well, Ananias and Sapphira. Anyhow, um, ask the Lord, do I think wrong thoughts about the Spirit? I want the Spirit. I want the Spirit. I don't want an unspirit-filled life. That would be a waste of a life. How do you waste your life? You, you just... Settle for less than what God would is doing for everybody. Maybe I'll put it like that. Settle for less than what God wants to do for everybody. So, so don't you want him? I do. And you know what? I forget. I totally forget sometimes. You just start doing jobs. You just show up to church. You got 100 emails. You got 500 texts. You just start hammering away. You forget. It's easy to forget. And then you start watching TV. And nothing on TV will lead you into the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe a few really good programs or something like that. But we forget. Do you guys ever forget? Oh, Holy Spirit, help us not forget. We really think we can do this without you sometimes. Please forgive us. Please Make us hunger and thirst. When Jesus met the woman at the well, he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for water. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And here's this woman, ashamed, alone, thirsty. And he's like, you know what? If you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for the Spirit before you asked me for anything else. Okay, I think I'm out of slides. Number two is by, by faith. Do you want to be built up in the Spirit? Believe what God says about the Spirit. Just believe Him. It's by faith. All kingdom work is by faith. All kingdom work is by trusting in God and His promises and His goodness. All kingdom work is by belief. And so start believing in the Holy Spirit, that He's with you and He wants to use you. And you know what's a great way to start building up your faith? Thankfulness. 
Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you live inside me. Thank you that I'm not alone in my brain or in my feelings. I'm never alone. You live inside me. Thank you that you want to use me. Thank you that you want to lead me. Thank you that you want to speak to me. Thank you that you want to heal me. Thank you that you want to uh, show me grace. Thank you that you want to take everything that belongs to Jesus and help me experience it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being my friend. I have so many people who wouldn't want to spend 24 hours a day with me. Anybody? Anybody who can literally say somebody wants to be with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week without ever sleeping? Anybody? No. Guess what the Holy Spirit wants to do? Guess what he's doing? 24 hours a day without sleeping, he's with you. By choice. What a friend. What a great God. What an awesome helper. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Number three, um, we can work on our holiness. Have you ever, men, men, have you ever found yourself in a situation where your wife is letting you know that there's something not quite right in your marriage? Yeah, good job, guys. Name, rank, and serial number. Name, rank, and serial number. Well done, fellas. How does it usually start? It starts with feeling the chill in the room. It starts with feeling the coldness. It starts by feeling the distance. It starts by feeling like you're not connected like you used to be. Very similar with the Holy Spirit. You can start to tell that you've done something that the Holy Spirit thinks is less than God's plan for you, that you've done something unholy because all of a sudden the joy's not quite there, the leading's not quite there, the fellowship's not quite there, the freshness isn't quite there. Maybe you start to feel a little bit abandoned or alone. And very often we can start questioning God's goodness instead of asking, have I done something to grieve the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians chapter 4, This is part of our proof that the Holy Spirit isn't just a smoke or a bird, but is a real person. The scripture says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander put away with you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And it's just something to be aware of and to know that, you know, if I'm giving into malice, if I'm giving into my anger, if I start slandering something, if I'm bitter, if I do that stuff, the Holy Spirit is grieved. He's hurt in our relationship. I've, I've, I've hurt him. And the, it gets cold. It gets a little colder. The distance feels there. And it's not because God's saying, I reject you. He's saying, this is his way of tapping on your conscience and saying, you walked away from me there. Why don't you come and do the next step in my list here, which is, oh, now I've lost it. Is to learn to admit when you're wounded and confess when you're sinning. The Holy Spirit loves truth. He's the spirit of truth, and that means he always tells us the truth and he helps us understand God's truth, but he likes it when we admit the truth and when we live in the truth. And if we're wounded without acknowledging that we're wounded, and if we've sinned without confessing that we're sinned, then we start living a lie, right? And God the Holy Spirit wants us to to see that we're doing that. And he he lets us know we can start feeling kind of guilty. You know, there's a bad way of feeling guilty, but there's also the good way. The good way of feeling guilty is when the Holy Spirit's saying, I want to fix something here. 
you've done wrong. I'm going to help you. But if we start shoving him away and banning him from our soul's Twitter, that ain't no good, Al. And so the Holy Spirit, a way to build yourself up with the Holy Spirit can just be to like, be more honest about where you're hurting. Be more honest about where you're weak. Be more honest with where you've sinned and you need help. And the Holy Spirit will show up. And you know what? If you're confessing to God and that doesn't do the trick, then you grab a brother or sister and you confess to them. And if that doesn't do the trick, maybe you need to go and confess to somebody else that maybe you sinned again. And if that doesn't do the trick, you just keep on telling the truth because God is going to work. But anybody else know we often try to do the least amount possible as Christians, the least amount of humility God, what's the least amount of spirit I can have in this life and still go to heaven? <laughs> and then from there, just start trying to be sensitive to God. He speaks in lots of different ways. Sometimes he'll give you a thought or a picture. Sometimes he'll put an impression on my heart. Just Sometimes I'll feel like, I've got this great idea. And half the time, they are great ideas. You know, I work them past the team or my wife, and they'll sometimes let me know when it wasn't the Holy Spirit. But just be sensitive to him and expectant and hopeful and humble along the way. But I'm going to end with a rant, and then we're going to have some ministry time. But this is my rant, okay? This is my rant. This is my rant. This is my rant. The Holy Spirit wants to fill regular people. The Holy Spirit wants to be, fill truck drivers. The Holy Spirit wants to fill accountants. The Holy Spirit wants to fill teachers and EAs. The Holy Spirit wants to fill people who work in early childhood education. The Holy Spirit wants to fill stay-at-home moms and single moms. The Holy Spirit wants to fill retirees and other people as well. He wants to just fill factory workers. He wants to fill all these people because he he didn't come to fill the pastors alone. Hello? We, we might know we need him in different ways than you do. He wants to fill regular people. That's what Pentecost was all about. I'm going to fill the old men and the young men. I'm going to fill the young women and the old women. I'm going to fill the grandparents and the children. I'm going to fill them all because he wants to fill regular people. Are there any regular people here? Are there any people with normal lives and normal jobs and normal stresses and normal... In the power of the Holy Spirit to be made whole by the healing of the Holy Spirit and to be used by the leading of the Holy Spirit to do what you could do with not do without the Holy Spirit. Regular people, Farmers and factory workers and fixers of things. You are his target. You are his choice. You are the body of Christ. And so raise up your expectation. Raise up your hope. I was trying to think how I tell a truck driver to be full of the Holy Spirit last evening. Why don't you just wake up and thank him that he's with you? And then give him your day and then be open to the prompting and expect him to maybe bring you a situation where you have to pray for somebody. And if you get a niggle about something, maybe don't pull off here. Maybe go to that diner over there. Just be expectant that God might use you because he wants to. Amen? If he didn't want to use you, Jesus would be back by now or you'd be dead. Those are the only two options. Living Christians are on the job. To be used by the Holy Spirit and healed by the Holy Spirit as we go. This is a military march. You get triage. There's field hospitals and you know when you're done because... But just just want it. It's almost like, like somebody was teaching people how to build a boat. And it's not whether or not you can tell people to go get wood. You just make them want to sail. 
Amen? That would be a great thing to include in a presentation sometimes. But like, how do you get filled with the Spirit? You want it and believe that Jesus does it. And as he leads you into healing, you get healed. And as he leads you to confess and humble yourself, you do that so that you're not the problem. God's never the problem. Amen. Hello. But we want it. Don't you want it? Yeah, I know you do. And God sees you. So we're going to sing. And we can't really do prayer ministry. We're not doing prayer ministry. But if you want, if you're hungry, just find some place out of your chair to meet with God, okay? Let that be your act of faith, to find somewhere out of where you've been sitting. You can go find another chair to to take your mask off, or you can put your mask on, but find somewhere to want the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Don't come with expectations. I'm going to feel electricity in my toes or whatever it is. Come to meet with God and let Him be in control. Let Him be the one who fills you. He's the filler. And if you put something on your heart to confess or deal with, do it with joy. He's trying to lead you to joy. He wants to lead you to power and joy. Amen? So let's do this. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. You are, you are invited to. And you know what? There's no pressure if you stay in your own chair. I'm sure God and I know. I don't know where your heart is. God does. But just find a spot to, to be hungry for God in the Holy Spirit. Father, do you want to st- does anybody want to stand to get prayed for? You're welcome to do that now. Father, I come to you. I'm so broken. I'm so weak. I'm so sinful. I don't bring you any of my merit to hear this prayer, but for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of the church, fill every hungry heart afresh today. Lord, everything that's in the way of the free-flowing of the Holy Spirit, would you bring it to mind so that we can, we can remove it with joy. Lord, would you raise up our faith, Lord? I get my eyes off of money. I get my eyes off what the government's doing. I get my eyes off of restrictions. Get my eyes off of that onto the unstoppable God. And Lord, give us the joy of the Lord to be our strength. In Jesus' name, fill our hearts. Church, you're free. Do what you want.